This is the Macmillan Library Podcast, a community conversation maker, bringing you curated conversations with Macmillan librarians, community members, authors, musicians, artists, and more. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have former Green Bay Packer Chester Markle and director of the documentary film Cheeseheads, John Mitchell, with us. On Saturday, August 11th, they both came out for our Celebrate Macmillan community event and solar fundraiser. There's more information about our solar project and information on how you can help on our website under the Support Solar tab. Chester Markle gave a talk about his book, Alive and Kicking, My Journey Through Football, Addiction, and Life. We grilled out and had delicious butter onion burgers, screened the film Cheeseheads. Chester and John signed autographs. We had a silent auction with items donated by local businesses and had tours of Macmillan's solar array with a cake for its one-year birthday. I appreciate them taking the time to talk to us about how they came to be doing the work they're involved in now, and as well as a bunch of life stories. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and go Pack Go! They're playing, so I'm here uh, doing a podcast. They're playing your movie right now. Could you introduce yourselves to the audience? Uh, I'm John Mitchell, and I made the film Cheeseheads the Documentary. Uh, I've been working in the film industry for quite some time, and this was my doom your own movie moment. Uh, the man next to me is Chester Markle. Hey, Chester. Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm just part of your movie, and somehow we got hey. got into it. By, yeah, but you're by much Hooker, more by than Crook, that. Right? Yeah, you're much more than that, dude. Yeah, well, yeah. former Green Bay Packer, of course, and and uh, that Packer logo gets people far, right? It does, and also, of course, your book, Alive and Kicking. That's yeah, that, that was special. That's how we met. Yes. We yes. met at the radio station. I was promoting the book, and you were doing what you needed to do to promote your film. And I was shooting, actually, yeah. at the time. And so it was a dub. Well, I forget what station. John Mino uh, up in Green Bay. Right. You were promoting the book, and uh, you came out from your interview with him. And we met in the hallway as I was going into mine, and I asked you to – and you said, hey, meet me at Lambo tomorrow at 1. And, and we did, right? We did we right in front of his plaque. Oh, that's uh, awesome. for that kick he did back in the uh, 80s. Yes. Which was, of course. Memories of the past, right? Yeah. yeah. Memory lane. Moments in time, I think, was Something the name like on, the, that. on the. On the. Yeah. And um, so that's where we met. And, you know, and then, then I did a launch of the film in Green Bay at the distillery right across from Lambeau because, well, yeah. Great place to Perfect. do it. And uh, Chester, uh, I asked him if he'd come in and be a part of that. And he was. And we just kind of struck up a friendship, and now we, you know, when when we, when we can do it together, we do these shows at different libraries and performing arts centers. So it's kind of cool. When that, was that that the book came out and that two thousand eleven? Two thousand eleven in the fall, because my first signing was at the Packer Stadium, October first, two eleven. Right, and so then that was right around. I, know I was, was shooting in, at that time. I know it was in October. Yeah. Yeah, because I was filming at that time, and um, I hadn't wrapped up until – well, geez, I finished shooting in 2012, so yeah. Uh, and then it took me about two years to edit. Yeah, I bet. That takes a long time. It does. It, it's a it's a tedious process. Did you do you, it all yourself? I, I did all the editing myself except for the – the one thing I, you know, you have to do some graphics here and there, mm-hmm. and and uh, blurs and special effects. So I had to hire that out. But um, yeah, pretty much everything else was 
me having to learn. You know, I had done editing for small projects, commercials, things like that, short films. Mm -hmm. This is a whole different beast because it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a travel movie, but there's like 30 topics going on. So I'm going from place to place and you have to figure out how to blend those together without, and they all have to look the same, even though you're in different places shooting different light. Um, so by the end of it, it was a bit of torture. <laughs> Yeah, you went a lot of places. I was watching it uh, yesterday in preparation, and it just goes, yeah, everywhere. There's some places I haven't been yet. You know, I've I've heard a lot of people out of state say either I went to House on the Rock because it was in your film, or I'm going to go to tailgating or this or that, you know, because they loved it in the film. And also Stephanie Klatt's in it, the Secretary of Tourism. Mm, yep. She is um, – hilarious in the film, but that's actually who she is in person. Have you, have you met her, Chester? Nope. Oh, she's, my God, you would love her. She's so much fun. And, um, <clears throat> so she's in the film. She used to be a Miss Wisconsin. Uh, ironically, the same year that the current, you know, Miss America 2012 was from Wisconsin, Laura Kepler. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laura was born the same year that Stephanie was Miss America or Miss Wisconsin. Oh, and so there's just this funny, they like to tease each other. Yeah. And we have that in the film. It's really interesting to hear. Um, because her personality pops through and she's the one that says, uh, old Miss Wisconsin's don't grow old. They just get bigger, grow, right? get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. They just grow that. the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah it, we all, we hit a lot of space, a lot of places. And you know, one of the cool things is, um, we tried to represent the whole state little snippets. At least I tried to be inclusive. Uh, Wisconsin Rapids, that big factory outside of town is actually represented in one of my scenes. Oh. I, I have a cool shot where I'm driving on the – and the dash cam was catching it. Nice. So that that got in there. Nina Foundry. It was the scene where I was doing the Nina I used Foundry. to – I come from Nina. So I saw the Nina part. I was in my hometown and then now I live in Stevens Point and I caught a glimpse of the brewery, I think. Point Brewery's in there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, I mean I tried to be as, as – uh, get as many towns and shots and uh, – you know, because sometimes when you're doing a, a scene about factories, you don't have to focus on just Nina – even though that's where the main factory I shot was, you want to show that the, 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 there's cool factories everywhere in the state. Right. Um, and so I was, you know, but a lot of people don't realize how much effort that you, I had to go and shoot every one of those. And it takes what, how many hours to drive, how to many drive days to do. So over time I had to edit, collect and yeah. database and, and um, uh, but now I have a massive database of Wisconsin of video and, and audio. Do so. you plan to make more? Not of this. <laughs> Not she said no. no. Um, I want to. I want to step it up and and. But I to have... use that like footage for something else, like a different sure. project or something. Well, there there's probably about let's see. There's military scenes uh, that I cut from the film for because we. I, I was going with when we got to the end of the editing. I was saying, "What's well, got to be, you know, cheesehead centric? Everybody has to be talking about cheeseheads. You have to have love of place." in this case, Wisconsin. And then it, it has to, you know, tell a good story with a sense of humor. So there was 12 minutes of military footage I pulled about heroic figures from Wisconsin because it, yeah, I don't want to make fun of that in any way. I don't want to have any humor related to that. I want that to be respectful. Mm -hmm. um, so there's scenes like that where I, I think we'll maybe do short film versions uh, later on and donate them to museums or something like that or put them on, you know, a YouTube channel or there's a lot of options there. Yeah. Um, but Could in terms you... of a feature length, no, yeah. that, that just drained me. I, I want to <laughs> move on to other things. Could you talk about your collaboration for the film? Uh, well, Chester's um, 
his collaboration was spending a half hour talking to me at Lambeau Field. <laughs> and then since then, again, like I said, uh, we, you know, started doing events together. And if, if we're able to, you know, if it syncs with our schedule, because he's crazy busy even with his book and your speeches. Which well, we'll not only to. that, but I have a full-time employment. That too, yeah. At Libertas Green Bay too. So uh, that's what my number one commitment is. All the other stuff is just little gravy, and if it works out on a weekend, yeah. or sometimes if it's nearby on Tuesday night or Friday night, then we get together. Otherwise, I I, I can't. You know, that's my, well, my number one commitment is my uh, full time commitment to Libertas, and that's something we were talking about earlier. I had said to you, uh, I was talking to a friend who kind of knew about your kick, but didn't. They just knew you were a Packer, and the, and then I said, oh, but here's what he does. Uh, for his day job and, and his book, and they were like, "Wow, that's impressive." They were way more impressed with with what, you, which I guess gives us a good lead well, into your book. You know what I do now? It's a daily venture, and sometimes it's ups and downs, and emotional, emotionally, it's forever changing. Uh, my football career, it was, and it's over. The statistics speak for themselves. Uh, a friend of mine called a while back. He says, "Well, geez, I." Uh, Saw you stuff at the Packer Hall of Fame on the wall. I said, yeah, I decided to hang around for a while, right? What else <laughs> am I going to say? I got yeah. I'm tired sometimes of ants. <laughs> so, you know, those things are always there. 1972, 1974, NFL scoring leader, they're always going to be there. That's just part of NFL history. But what I do now, it's a lifetime proposition. It's forever changing. And uh, there is hopefully not worry about statistics. They just worry about other people. Well, but it, helping people is a good thing. Oh, helping the more people, people you can help, the better. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the avenue of being a Packer for life and avenue being part of NFL uh, family uh, provides me with opportunities that probably would not if I didn't play for the Packers. Let's face it. This, uh, this state of Wisconsin is crazy about Green Bay. They always right. were. And they're always well, rightfully so. There's well, nothing wrong with that. But the avenue of having a Packer logo forever in my heart is uh, providing me with opportunities that that I have today. That G opens many doors, as you've said. Correct. And, and then use it wisely, uh, humbly, and, and share, uh, share hope for other people. Because let's face it, what I do is uh, life-threatening on a daily basis. Uh, I've seen a lot of suicides, a lot of overdoses, uh, and I've only been in this field for like going on 13 years, and, and enough is enough. So I just enjoy what I do, and then I, I have a difficult time calling that a job, you know? Yet they pay me for this. And, right. And so I guess you have to call this well, so, quote, job or work, but it certainly is not something that I have to do as a job, and I say, oh, geez, here I go again. Uh, yeah, so, I find I find it interesting too. I'm sorry to yeah, no, that that you you find um, there's there's a the people you're dealing with they're suffering. There's some misery going on there, but yet you're kind of bringing them j your joy that you get. Well, there it. is miserable. You know, bottom line is by the time people go and ask for help because alcohol and or other drugs or whatever other issues they have, there are consequences behind it. Right? There are issues. Nobody comes to me and says, oh, gee, Chester, I ate too many green beans. I think I need a year out. Well, <laughs> right. paddy wagon and straight jacket yeah. would be ordered, right? I mean. Too much fiber in that diet. Too much fiber. Yeah. So, so it's, not, it's not that. People come, uh, by the time people come to me, 
Libertas, let's face it, it's a drug and alcohol rehab center, and and it's uh, for adolescents inpatient and adults outpatient, and people come there because they need help to get help to change their lifestyle, and and my responsibility to them is not to tell them what to do, but to help them to make better decisions from right. now on than the decision they made prior to coming in there. Because prior to coming in, their decisions weren't very good. Most of the time, they were DUIs. Or, or now, I'm getting quite a few people who don't drink, but they come in uh, OWI because somebody smelled marijuana in their oh, car. Yeah. They took them to a hospital, gave them blood work, and marijuana's in the system. So they still got a drunk driving ticket. Maybe oh, well. not drunk on alcohol, but on other things. So I'm dealing with population that is difficult you know, to deal with, but... Hey, we plug away, plant a seed in somebody's heart, and uh, give another human being hope that there is a better way of living from now on than there was prior to coming there. And for listeners who might not know your story or background, could you give a brief uh, like overview of how you got into this line of work? Well, I got into a lot of trials and tribulations, <laughs> writing the book, and, and then... Uh, you know, I've, I was one of these people at 27 years old that I thought pain pills were aspirin. I had no clue what drugs were until I got hurt. I got injured my fourth year in the NFL. I started on them, and I fell in love with uh, opioids. And that was my choice, and, and then it took over, and bigger and bigger, thing, bigger things, and I was at the party. Uh, cocaine was introduced. I tried it. I got hooked, and I think it seems like I get hooked on everything. But that's okay. Some people get hooked, some don't, right? Yeah. Some people can drink and they're fine. Some people have problems. So we're all a little bit different. Some have diabetes, some have cancer. And at least uh, at least what I'm dealing with, it can be arrested, right? So, uh, yeah, and uh, cocaine came my way and my life was basically, as I knew, over. And there was a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of treatment facilities, uh, then I start working in a helping field and a New Day Treatment Center in Michigan. Then I went to uh, do internship training at Memorial Medical Center in Ashland for a year and a half. And, and here and there, I was challenged to take some exams for the state. Next thing you know, I'm a certified uh, clinical substance abuse counselor uh, for past eight years, almost nine years now. And so... 15, 20 years ago, if you asked me if I was going to be doing what I'm doing, I would ask if you're crazy or something. But, you know, I, I had to get well. I had to get healthy before I even considered writing a book because I didn't want to write something and div live a different style than than what I said in a book. Well, and the book plays well into what you're saying. So give, Everything, a, give, a, bit, give a bit of description of the book. Too, came from that Poland came at age of 15 because my dad took his life when I was 14. We came here with mom and three siblings. There was four of us. None of us could speak English. Three years later, I'm off to Hillsdale College. Four years later, I'm in NFL. My God. Wow. Isn't that something? A lot of trauma in my life. Just traumatic experiences. My dad suicides. A year later, we're moving to the United States, to the farmland, 60 miles north of Detroit. Can't even speak the language. And can you imagine my five-year-old brother, how he felt going to school at six years old, unable to speak? Well, he became a physician. He was a surgeon, urology surgeon, and he was very successful. My bro other brother is doing well. My sister's doing really well. My mom got sick. She's still alive. She's 88. She'll be 89 in December. But 
she was in a hospital not long ago, so with some issues. So, you know, it's a, Hillsdale College was special, high school was special, because John Rowan, who was my PE teacher, played basketball at Hillsdale College. Day after graduation, he drove me to Hillsdale. I didn't even know where it was. Next thing I know, I got a full scholarship at Hillsdale College. So I'm going to a school that's 1,100 students. And, and you know, I excelled. I was the first person who kicked a field goal over 60 yards on any level. And I had a lot of, a lot of good times going, and I was given a gift, uh, God's grace, and, 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 I, and I honed it up, and I succeeded. And then, unfortunately, you know, the injury and other thing happened, and I got hooked. But some people, if I told a cancer person to come to treatment, go to Cancer Anonymous, and they will never die from cancer, they'd be lining up from here to New York to get in because they want to live. Yet, catastrophic sure. events take place with drug addiction, and people say, Who's, who cares? It ain't going to happen to me, right? People dying left and right. We're losing 13 or 16 people an hour to our addiction. And and I think uh, so. Yeah, In some sense, Chester, you almost are... are uh, I'm not mocking it, but you're kind of the poster child for that opioid crisis. Now you had it long ago, long ago. But it wasn't right. Common. Well, I mean, drugs and other stuff was always around, but not in a massive amounts it is right now. You know, you look at now that stuff is mixed with fentanyl. A couple of kids died smoking marijuana in near Milwaukee in oh, yeah. in the spring of seven. Just smoking pot. You know, just it's not. I don't mean just as lightly, but it was laced with fentanyl. Oh, uh, kids smoking that K two synthetic marijuana was laced with rat poison, and and they passed. You know, now uh, you just had a first death in Wisconsin not long ago, a week or two ago, from just smoking K two, and that wasn't laced with anything else. So we are having a problem, and uh, I came to the United States. 1965, I think there was a couple hundred million Americans, and we're going on almost double that in 50 yeah. years. So, you know, the, the, I, I was just talking to a friend of mine, and I remember when I was in my teens and 20s and 30s, I we never talked about road rage. I don't even remember flipping anybody off or, do, or vice versa. Now it seems like it's just insane on a highway. People honking horns, flipping off, back and forth. And I have yeah. uh, big group therapy, like 16, 17 people. People talk about road rage, the anger, and all that kind of stuff. Where the heck does that come from? Everybody wants to go fast. You know, a computer's 10 seconds late coming on, and I'm saying, oh, what the heck is going on with my computer? <laughs> Before that, I would have to reach for the phone <laughs> off the wall, circle dial, right? <laughs> and on party line, hoping nobody else would be on the line. And it was okay. Technology has ruined our sense of patience, hasn't Incredible. it? Incredible. Tolerance yeah. and patience yeah. kind of sucks. Well, and that's I think that's just as bad, too, when driving is the distracted driving with cell phones and all that. So. Oh, that's, that's uh, given. That's, yeah, so. That's given. That's, but, you know, as you can see, we wander in many directions with our conversations because we thoroughly enjoy lots of topics. Well, not only that, but, but I'm perfect. 69 years podcast. old, we had a lot of life experience. Yeah, exactly. And you just turned 50, I, right? I just turned 50. I joked the other day with somebody, they said, oh, happy 50th. And I said, you know, they say life flies by really fast, but it sure took me a long time to get to 50, like literally half a century. And luckily I was typing it, so the joke went through. Oh, yeah. they, they laughed. <laughs> they thought it was great. So, Well, the older we get, the concept of time gets different. Teen for teenager two weeks seems like two years. I know. Time's going things, by so fast. Yeah, now. when things happen to me, 
and just look back. I said, geez, that just happened the other day. Well, looking, what the heck? That was like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what the heck am I talking? <laughs> so, but yeah, I was always told the older you get, the concept of time is so different. And, you know, like my grandma used to say, geez, it just seems like it happened yesterday. A lot of stuff seems like it happened yesterday. But yeah. What a journey. Did you uh, do any athletics in Poland before you came? Yes, in? I played soccer. Okay, I was one of the first soccer kickers in NFL. Right, and yep. and I was very good at that. And and I, in high school, I was in long jump in state. I took second place in class B. You know, division two. That was pretty good. I was high jumping a lot. I played hockey in college a little bit, and uh, I will I. I was involved. Seems like everything I picked up in athletics, I was, I excelled. Obviously, and because of my kicking uh, situation and and the given talent I had, I excelled to the elite level. And uh, you know, to being two two times being picked all players all pro meant a lot to me because I was picked by my peers from other teams. Because when we voted for All-Pro or Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl and All-Pro was a little bit different. Pro Bowl is from the same division. All-Pro is from all 32 teams, right. it's just one person per position. And yet my teammates could not vote for me. So when, when we had our mm -hmm. voting, I, I could vote for every position, but it could not be my teammate. So I was picked by NFL players as uh, as, as D number one in, in, in my position in the world. So that's that's an honor and, and winning a rookie of the year being a kicker that never happened before nor since, that's an honor too. And somebody just reminded me of that five, 10 years ago. I didn't even know that. So, well, you know, it reminds me of that commercial that we've been, they've been airing for fantasy football or, uh, I don't, okay. So what round were you drafted? I was drafted in the second round, which was even was rare 30, back then. 34th player to be right. picked. And then there's this commercial that where the guy's using the wrong mouse because his battery dies. Oh, yeah. And he's mad because he picked a kicker in the seventh round. <laughs> and, you know, you see how far we've come. So, but that also tells you how uh, how valuable his skills were at the time. That I, I don't – you know, you I know you've said uh, our current kicker is one of the best you've ever seen. Yeah, I, I, I think Mason Crosby is going to stand by himself when it's all said and done. Uh, probably one of the nicest people I ever met, and I had a chance to meet his family. They're awesome. I told his dad this. I says, man, your kid is so polite, so respectful. You know what his dad did? He looks at me and says, I expect nothing less. So yeah. it told me already the the, the boundaries that the, that probably had, and I met, met his wife, and they just, last time I saw him, they just had their third child. So... Uh, the reason I like Mason so much and Ryan Longwell too, because they walked or talked. They are one of the top people yeah. uh, that I know, and and so that's really nice to see and very humble. So Ryan Longwell just got inducted Packer Hall of Fame. I was there, and it was really nice to hear him speak the way he spoke about God, about his family, the importance of uh, following his morals and all that stuff. So. Uh, often we hear lots of stuff about people that do a lot of stuff that's controversial. So, and it's a lot of negativity watching TV. So it's really nice to be able to, for me to say something really, uh, opposite that some people that do good stuff need to have attention as well. 
You know, and that goes back to the film. Uh, when I was making it, one of the things I wanted to stick to, because I'd have producer friends in LA watching bits and, and telling me their opinions. Everybody has an opinion, of course. And, uh, one of the things they kept saying was, Where, where's the conflict? Where's the, Where's the villain? Where's the, you know, cause I was trying to do a three act yeah. structure. So when you watch it, it doesn't feel like a documentary. It feels like a movie that just happens to be a documentary. Um, and by the time I got to the end, I said, well, the conflict is, will he make it? How, how will this journey end? You know, I said, but I don't want negativity. I want this to be happy because there's so much negative crap floating around all over the place. I want this film to – I want you to walk away at least smiling, if not laughing a few times. And I can guarantee you if we were in the other room while this is going, I know of at least 12 spots in that movie where the whole audience will bust up laughing. You know, they can do it – they'll do it on cue. So, um, yeah, that positivity thing I think is it's very nice important. It's nice to do some happy stuff. It's really nice. Because let's face it, there's a lot of stuff going on that, that it's difficult to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. Speaking of happy things, I've got the same kind of question for both of you. Um, what is, in the film, what is like one of your favorite parts of the film that you shot? Like, what did you have the most enjoyment out of? And then for you, like, what was your favorite? time period or season with the Packers? And then what's your favorite thing about the job that you do now? My favorite thing with the Packers was when I first came in, I was a greenhorn, didn't know any difference what NFL was. We were so cool. We we had 10 and four record. We were predicted to be four and 10. We flew from Minnesota after we won a central division. They lit up the whole stadium and put Number one, a field with people with lights or candles, whatever it was. We landed at the at the airport. There was like thousands of people there. Took me three hours to get the heck out of there. <laughs> so we sat around, popped champagne, and had lots of fun. That was one of my ultimate uh, memories. And we, as a team, sacked Trent Tarkenton five times. And and he wasn't sacked five times yeah. in six games most no of the time. No easy task. So that was, uh, that was one of my all-time moments uh, in, in my career. Granted, there's a lot of individual stuff, and I was very happy to go to Pro Bowl, make an all-pro. Let's face it, young boys dream about kicking the winning field goal or, or winning the division when they're 16 years old, 18. And all that came to the forefront real fast, an all-pro and Pro Bowl. So, But that, that, that flight back from Minnesota in December, winning the Central Division was just, off the charts special. Did you would you really like that uh opportunity? Like tied game, last seconds, you have to kick that much pressure. I love Is it. that something that you I liked? Love it. Seems like I was like that in school too. They gave me papers <laughs> to have thirty days to do. Guess what I'm doing night before all night. Yeah, that's, that's more what pressure I do too. the better. So I, I know I I seems like I thrived on pressure. Uh and you know so it, that's how I was. I just I did real well when chips were down. That's awesome. And then with your current career. Oh, which, yeah. Which My current career is some of the best stuff. You know, I, 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 I struggle with my addiction for so long and yay, nay, on and off, on and off, long-term sobriety and then going back. Uh, I started working in helping field shortly after I went to my last treatment. And I think that was awesome because I knew in my heart that this is what I wanted to do. So I pursued it more. I got the internship. I did tests. And and my favorite thing is that 
never once did I say, oh, God, I got to go there. In December, it'll be 12 years since I started at New Day, and I called in sick one day. Knock on wood, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, that, that, that's pretty special. And, and I, I love being with other people. I want to provide hope to other people because that's, lots of people come hopeless, they're broken, child protective services involved, prison, jails, institution, legal system. I, it's a mess. And, and unfortunately, we can't, you know, it took a long time to get to the get messy. I uh, can't clean it up real fast. So patience and tolerance and providing hope to other people, that's my favorite thing uh, at Libertas. That's great. And I like to provide humor uh, with the film. See, that's a nice transition from, a, you know, happiness, hope, humor. Um, I always say that a good sense of humor means maybe you're just smiling. Maybe it's not a laugh. Maybe it's not an outward burst. But just to make somebody else smile is uh, one of my favorite things to do. And we, in terms of specifics with the film, um, making friends, the new friends I made that if I hadn't shot this film, that is awesome. I have at least six or seven friends around Wisconsin that I would have never known had I not chosen to do this. People that will let me stay at their houses, uh, uh, you know, people that uh, put me up in hotels, things like that. And also um, – but, but when you come to the specific storylines, things I, as a little boy, wanted to go research that I couldn't. Loved Frank Lloyd Wright as a kid. So when I got to shoot the Taliesin and the different, you know, Monona Terrace and Madison, and I shot with a bunch of experts on Frank Lloyd Wright. To me, it was like an obsession to fit Frank Lloyd Wright, this stern uh, architect, world famous, most, you know, one of the most famous people in history, really, modern history. Um, from this tiny little town of Wisconsin, and I had to get him in my Cheeseheads movie. Well, how do you do that without disrespecting <laughs> him? Uh, but the people, one of the experts at Taliesin, when she saw the film, she goes, thank you. I'm like, why? She goes, you you, you made him look like a Cheesehead, but you didn't mock him. And we respect, you know, thank you for respecting Frank. And I said, well, thank you for letting me sit on his bed. <laughs> I'm like, this man dreamed up crazy buildings sitting in this bed, you know, or, or at that desk over there. So, yeah, uh, really, Frank Lloyd Wright was one of my favorite things of all. Uh, I know that sounds weird that I would be sort of in love with an architect, but hey, you know, I've always been obsessed with buildings. So, and maybe that was because I knew he was that famous guy from Wisconsin when I was, you know, 10 years old, uh, uh, learning, you know, reading books and stuff. You yeah. Know, you know, That's so. one of the things I like about podcasting, too. You get, to invite and talk to people for half hour, an hour that normally you would never sit down and talk to. You might say, "Hey, what's up? Hi." I did goodbye. not. I did not object yeah. <laughs> to to miss you know meeting with Miss America for yeah. an hour. I like when he filmed <laughs> the deer hunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan Small having him uh, yeah. part of the film. We we went pheasant hunting in uh, Johnson. Let's see, Mills Farms. Oh, uh, Johnson Creek, somewhere down there. Um, and uh, and then we went to the bass uh, um, up in Hayward, outside of Hayward. Yep. We did the uh, musky 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 championship of the world. It was the musky cha camp championship. Did you show the logging contest there? The too? lumberjack fest. So I mean, I got to go to a lot of things. I wouldn't. I'm not an outdoorsman like Chester here. He he. You'll spend. He all, lives for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whereas I love doing it and then going back and turning on the TV and you know doing my yeah. work. Um, but yeah, it was fun when we were doing the Dan Small thing. Uh, up in Hayward, uh, I'm there. I'm saying, oh, man, I need some lake footage. 
But from the shore, you know, those lakes up there, there's so much forest that you can't really see much of the lake. And the guy's like, oh, here, jump on the boat. I'll take you out. And I get on the speedboat and we're getting through these tunnels and I'm filming and it's kind of cloudy and gray and mucky. We pull out onto the lake and just then one of those pillar beams hits the lake. And I'm like, whip that camera mm-hmm. up, boom, going. And he zoomed around that lake for like five minutes and I got, which of course is all that water Ooh. footage in this, in, you know, people think I got that from somebody. No, I went and shot that in a five minute span because the sun, as soon as we were coming back to the pier, boom, it went away. It was like nature said, oh, I'll give you a gift, John. Yeah. So <laughs> moments like that are really special that happened. Uh, that didn't even have to do with people. It had to do with like communing with nature. So, are you from Wisconsin originally then? I was born in Rice Lake in a hospital that they've now torn down. That bums me out, but okay, that happens. Uh, and I grew up in Cameron. I went to school there, which is just about six miles south of Rice Lake. So, they kind of think that they're brother and sister towns, or rather, Rice Lake thinks that Cameron's its little brother, you know, because they all. Because it is. <laughs> and, and, and it's much more quiet community, uh, but. Be, that becomes one of those football and basketball and all those things are everything. Uh, yeah. You know, so. So you're both, uh, you came to Wisconsin to play. You're born in Wisconsin. You both have ample opportunity to leave. Why, what, what makes you stay? What makes me stay is uh, Libertas. What makes me stay. Before that even, like. Well, I. After I, the Packers. I lived in the UP. Okay. For I, I still have a house by Holton Hancock. We're talking 240 miles north of Green Bay, 300 plus inches of snow every year. Okay, that's where I come from. Sounds awesome. I've been in Green Bay the last couple of years. It sounds awesome if you're a visitor <laughs> for a week at a time, but if you have to push 30 th- snow 33 days in a row, doesn't seem like very awesome. So, so anyway, so yeah, yeah, from there. But I, I always loved Green Bay. It's a, it's a. Everything is there in a small community. It's not really huge, yet big enough. And uh, I have great friends near me uh, in Algoma, where I hunt, and Hortonville, where I hunt. And I also hunt by Wittenberg. So the hunting is really important to me. I, you know, like in a season, another month, uh, every moment I have, I'm going to sit in my tree stand. And, and if that involves, uh, Running like heck after driving to my tree stand after leaving Libertas, so be it. And I like it early in the season because it stays light for a while. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can pretty much the outdoor. Like when September, October, November, December into January comes, I hunt every day. I have a chance to go up. Uh, mainly bow hunting or no? Nope. I, well, I, I both. I have a crossbow. I also hunt with the rifle, and I also have. Friends that have uh, 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 permits, like crop damage permits mm. or nuisance tags, whatever you call yeah. them. So uh, Wisconsin is fun to hunt because there's a ton of deer. And uh, so I just. I, How'd you and, get and, into it? Well, and I know not to ask. For all, it's my dad. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't ask him for favors during that time of year because yeah. it's good, good <laughs> lucky if he even answers the phone. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do some things in the fall, but mostly I just go and sign when I'm at the stadium view, day of the game for a couple hours, and as soon as uh, like uh, when I sign from like maybe eight thirty till eleven during football games or eleven thirty, soon as the national anthem I see. 
place and the fireworks go off during national anthem, I hop in a car and I'm off to my tree stand. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I have a passion for that. So it's, uh, and you know, I, I had a heart surgery. I have a defibrillator for since 201. And one of the things that my doctor told me that I can eat all the wild meat, venison, turkey, bear, whatever, to stay away from beef and, and all. So uh, mine, I don't just go and hunt. I hunt for meat because it's important to me. I make lots of stuff from it. I make my own jerky and sausage. Mm, and, yeah, I love wild game. I grew up with my dad hunting a lot yeah, and eating tons it. of venison. And I hunt Michigan and Wisconsin. So... And in Wisconsin, every time I buy a license, they give me three, four doe permits, you know. So there's lots of places their deer are nuisance, even if you don't have a crop damage permit, because there's too many of them dead on the roads. They're, uh, you know, I remember coming from Madison to Menominee, Wisconsin, not this June, but the year before, I counted 42 dead deer. So just from 94 from Wisconsin to Menominee, Wisconsin, that's a lot of deer. Yeah. And a coyote was there and a small bear was hit, so... That was in June, so I, I never forget that. So, ton of deer, a lot more deer around now than there were when I played for the Packers in the 70s because then you pretty much had like a one permit, and once in a while you get a camp permit and an extra doe permit. So we're, we're talking uh, population of the deer like quadruple since then. Well, what's the line in the film where I say, uh, "Oh yeah, those those deer signs aren't aren't a warning; they're a promise." Yes, you definitely. Know, <laughs> and there's shots I have of dead deer on the road, which really offended some people in LA when I showed them those scenes. Uh, mm. But here, it's sort of like, well, the snow melts, and you're seeing them every ten miles. Yeah. In in the spring, because they got hit a lot. I yeah, see in the winter, them all the time on the yeah. way to work. You, you know. know, in October when the rut starts, kind of mid October. Oh. Deer really are on the move. And in June, the reason why that is because you have a lot of fawns that are born right around Memorial Day weekend. And these big does are on the move a lot. So that's what I was told by biologists that the, the, the June is, uh, in June, the more deer die by a car accident than any other month. I saw a lot of them in June. Took a small trip to, I don't know, we were driving through Wisconsin and I just thought I saw more than I've ever seen. It was just ridiculous. I was, yeah, I, June is a bad month. I did a show in June up in, in uh, Cable, uh, that little forest library, uh, the little log cabin library. Mm -hmm. And Cable is halfway between Hayward and, and Ashland. Okay. Um, and, and, of course, as I'm leaving at 8 o'clock at night, everybody's saying, oh, goodbye. Thanks for being here. We had a great time. Watch out for deer. They said mm -hmm. it at least three or four times. Two miles down the road on 63. Run, run, run. And three right. more waiting to run. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, yeah, just go 40, 50, just keep it slow, <laughs> get get through that. Must have seen 10 deer between there and Hayward, you know, because that's really Northwoods. Correct. And that's an area where we don't have as many deer. So you can just presume the difference from here. Oh, so Peshtigo would be torture. Yeah. Peshtigo, Ocano, Ocano Falls, all this area, Wittenberg, you know, uh, Appleton area, lots and lots and lots of deer. And I'm glad. Yes. I like to eat them. I make a lot of stuff. So when I see a field out there that's been uh, plowed in, in the fall and I see 300 deer walking around eating the corn, that's minor compared to what you're seeing? Well, no, it's not really minor. Okay. <laughs> I'll call you. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. They, they actually- hey, Chester, here's the coordinates. They're by Cable and, and Ashland. They, they don't even have dough permits. No, no. But, but, but the, you know, here, like when I, I buy a license for Kiwani County and Shawano County, you get a license and give me three dough permits for free. 
because there's so many deer. Yeah, my wife is from Tigerton, so we drive through oh, around yeah. Wittenberg and oh, yeah. poof, deer everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, that Wittenberg, Tigerton area, Burnham Wood, and oh my goodness gracious, pay attention when you drive. So I, my eyes are just from one side to another looking in a ditch, something if see if to see something shine, some eyes. Right? I'm surprised Nuski's doesn't make venison jerky. I mean, because they're you can't sell that. their pig products. Oh are so yeah, good. you can't you can't sell wild. Oh, never mind. No. Nope. You, I guess you can private small time because I've seen it in small batches. In Correct, because north. I remember in the seventies there was a restaurant in Milwaukee called Frenchies, and Frenchies sold every kind of meat you could possibly get, even tiger meat and and uh, snake meat and, and all that kind of stuff. I remember trying all these different things. I used to love to go into Frenchies. It looked like a restaurant on an inside, all this velour and red and. <laughs> Just like it was in Al Capone days. Mafia you know? days. Yeah, like mafia days. House of sins. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but, and then they had, hey, I had a private booth and they pulled the curtain, red, velour, you know, they looked like, well, I'm sure it wasn't velour, but you know what? Closed it up and we were closed in and our table just like as we sitting and eating there and ordering. So there was a special restaurant. It was different. Well, have you yeah. been to the safe house down in Milwaukee? The one that used to actually be... Capone, one of Capone's safe no, houses. No, no. Uh, and I have not. So they kept it the way it used to be. It used to be an old uh, speakeasy. And, and to find it is almost, you got to know where you're going to find I how to get heard the front about door. This, yeah. And then when you get in, you have to punch in codes. and the, well, the, I was, It's yeah, all a game, but it's fun. I was taken through the tunnels and all that stuff in Hurley. Oh, right, well, right. They're, they're, it's unbelievable because there's different places that are open. And somebody gave me tour through some of them. I said, that, my goodness, the upstairs and downstairs and, and, and nooks and crannies, holy smokes. No, no wonder you could hide. That was the mm. wettest place on earth during Prohibition. I, I'd read somewhere that of the 72 counties during Prohibition, uh, 60 of them were considered wet. And then they said the farther north you got, the more soaked they were. <laughs> soaked. Uh, because they didn't – yeah. The the FBI or whomever it was back then, I don't think it was the FBI, but whatever government agency would come into town and the townspeople would show up at the edge of town with their shotguns going, no. Oh, the cops would just yeah. turn and go away like, okay. no. And Hurley was the one that was most commonly. Yeah, well, Hurley was a sin city, right? Yes. Lots of, lots of strip clubs, lots of bars, lots of everything. I Good think food in there in some spots. Oh yeah, sure. No, I've been up there. I like it. Uh, that's you know, that's a fun area to visit. But yeah, you're right. Living there would be a. a beast, I wouldn't want to live there. A beast because of the winters. Maybe that's why they need all this. The winters clubs. are not quite mm. as bad as Houghton Hancock, where I'm from, but pretty close. Right. What was that sign? Remember when Boston had that really big pile of snow a few years back, like 30 inches yeah. in in one day, and then a week later they got it again. And somebody from up your area sent a tweet out with a picture saying uh, 300 inches or something like that, like, you know, yearly average. And they're like, yeah, Boston, you're a bunch of wimps or something like that. Yeah. I thought that was neat. When I first went up there in April 1990, I stopped at the gas station and I saw a little card. Houghton, four miles. End of the world, two miles. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the most, a little foggy and all that stuff. And- Probably the best statement for up there. Now, this time of the year, it's gorgeous. Nights are really cool. But I'm telling you, the leaves are starting to change. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Even why, did you, why did you originally pick I up actually there? went to treatment there. Okay. Phoenix House. That's That was my very first uh, 
place I worked after I got certified and after I became clinical substance abuse. Before, I was kind of counselor in training. But uh, so, and I went to there in 1990 to treatment. I stayed there for 10 months. And I, and I basically went from Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, in my car, everything that I owned, you know, a few pair of shoes, no, no hunting gear, no fishing gear. And now I got too much. So, but yeah, that was, that was the, the, the number one reason. Dr. Haynes in Grand Rapids says, dude, you need something long-term. I says, where? He says, Calumet, it's way up North Michigan. I said, Marquette? He smiled at me. He says, a lot further north than Marquette. So I got there mid-April. It was hot, 90, 80, 90 degrees. And I told my friend, what the hell do I need? All this cold clothes. <laughs> May 10th, we got 22 inches. <laughs> no. Fourth of July, 1992, I'm at the fireworks at South Range, snowing like crazy. Oh, wow. yeah. I'm, I'm, I was in my coveralls and a fur rabbit hat, just like I am on the on ice when I'm ice fishing. That's how cold it was. And many, many, the only month I didn't see snow there so far was in August. And uh, all other months, I've seen a ton of snow in September and October and May and April. Well, that time we had back-to-back 350-some inches of snow. Uh, we couldn't start playing softball till June because then it snows 40, 50 inches in April, probably 20, 30 inches in May. So the baseball fields were full of snow by mid-May. Yeah, and yet everyone's still running around in shorts, aren't they? Well, college kids. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Seems like our Michigan Tech <laughs> University college kids. It's zero and it's colder than heck. And uh, it gets up to 12 degrees and sunny and they're walking. With, if if you can't young, get frostbite. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah even that's in the zero okay. weather. Better than me. Than me. <laughs> I don't want to feel good. I, I need a lot of layers because I hunt. I hunt and fish when it's really, really cold, so I do a lot of layers. Well, and there's that deception, too, when you're, you're like, say you wake up in a winter morning and you're looking outside and you're making some coffee and you say, oh, it's beautiful out and sunny. And and then, you know, you're not thinking and you walk out, like, with no jacket on and it's 12 below. Yeah. So it's complete <laughs> deception. Nature's messing with your head there. So Not um, with my body, though. <laughs> no, no. Walk no. out you after run a shower, your hair instantly freezes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's, oh. What is the coldest ever I experienced? I think there was a little kid that was 52 or 55, something really crazy low back in like 77. And they the radio's got, uh, staying, saying stuff like, well, don't go outside. And if you do, don't, you know, cover your mouth, don't breathe out. Of course, I'm eight years old, so what do I do? I go outside and yeah. breathe. And the ice crystals forming down your throat and you run back in the house screaming, you know. So, yeah, winters can be hell, but they can also be amusing. Yeah, there's fun things to do in the winter. Oh, there's always fun things to do. The only bad thing is that's darkness up there. It gets dark for two weeks at a time. Snow so much you can't even see pavement on the roads for three quarters of a month. So it's different. There's a lot of just no sun. Well, you're farther north than most Canadians, you know, if you think about it, because that dips way up and Canada kind of dips way down over there for Ontario. But it's, it's, you know, Lake Superior and when – Lake effect snow starts, gets cold, lake is warm, it's going to snow every day. Partly sunny, snowing like crazy. <laughs> People come from Iowa or other places. My friend from Iowa, he says, oh, it's, I says, it's going to snow like crazy today. He says, ah, no, it's east wind. Usually you got to need north wind, east wind. I says, Ed, there's lake all the way around us. It makes no difference what's, <laughs> where the wind's blowing for. It's going to snow. <laughs> so that's how it is. Who cares where it blows from? It's all, it snows and snows and snows some more. And thus I made a movie. 
about that, you know, about all of it. It's you know, we we, we have fun with the film too in saying all of these because right. Chester's giving you life moments. These are just regular life moments. Well, I think that's why the film works so well is because that's all I did. I walked around capturing people's life moments, and then I kind of had fun with them and made them more humorous and quicker. Because sometimes people will uh, take an hour to tell you a story that they could have done in a minute. Well, that's my job is to take that minute. Yeah. And say, here's the best parts. And here's really fun. And boom, you, know, you got a story. Well, I was so, surprised because I, when I saw that first showing at the distillery, because there is a certain amount of expectations when I go to see something. And this was much different than I thought it would be because it covered a little bit of everything. And I learned a lot about Wisconsin. I learned about Houdini's and Tony Shalhoub and not so much about deer season because I know about that. But that architecture and house with a I oh, never, house on the rock, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I didn't even know that existed, and it's so it's just humongous. And, and I think they've added two buildings since I correct. Shot that. I mean, so I didn't even know that kind of stuff existed. So yeah. there was lots of stuff. I expected mostly crazy Packer fans and football tailgating, which was <laughs> there's a couple enough, minutes of that, which was plenty of it. But then it was a little cut with Dave Robinson and Roy. That was pretty yeah. cool, too. Yeah. Oh, he was such a tremendous – I mean, he's such Dave's a great awesome. guy. He's an awesome dude. And, and it was so much fun to interview him and uh, Roy Spoils, who writes the Lombardi books with him. Um, yeah. He's a terrific guy. Dave is one of one of the premier people in my life, too. He kind of took me under his wing when I my rookie year. I, I asked was him – unusual because they hated rookies. Oh, yeah, well – you know, that's, they call that's, those maggots. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him when, when that's I that's a nice uh, word. <laughs> a few years back, when we remember the signing we did at Distillery, yeah, uh, after the film premiere, and I asked Dave, I said, "Hey, so if I had caught you after you got your Hall of Fame uh, induction, would you have still done my film?" And he's like, "Of course, John. You bought me dinner." <laughs> 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 and I'm like, "You're awesome." So yeah, it's it's he's it's terrific. Um, I just had thought of one other story I thought would be really cool that kind of wraps this up of okay. the joy of experiencing the experiences I got from doing this film, mm-hmm. uh, besides meeting Chester and then meeting Bart again uh, uh, a few years back before now he doesn't do many uh, events. Um, but also when we did our premiere in Sheboygan in 2016 when the film first came out, we did a red carpet premiere at the uh, uh, Stephanie Weil Center. And the library, the Mead library system had sponsored it. So the whole – all 12 libraries got together and were pushing it. And we're at the show that day and they're clicking and they're clicking and they're clicking. And 325 people show up. And we're all just astonished. We didn't realize it was going to go that big. Now, the, the story is – for me, the more important story is besides having to get up in front of 300 people and talk, which <laughs> kind of startled me um, – there was a poster up at the Stephanie Weil for Alan Parsons' project coming or Alan Parsons doing a show a month, a couple months later. So I talked to the manager of the building who I'd gotten friends with. She was like the director and she got me tickets to that. And she's like, yeah, but there's no promises. There's no promises. And of course, I snuck my way into getting to meet him she, by her courtesy. You know, she yeah. was very generous. And after after the movie, I gave her uh, his wife uh, a DVD or after his concert, I gave her a DVD. About three months later, right on my birthday, pure coincidence, I get an email from her saying, we watched your movie and learned all – way more about Wisconsin than we we ever need to know. But thank you. We loved it. 
and I was like, whoa, Alan Parsons. I was obsessed with him from a little boy on. So now he watched my movie and he liked it. That's cool. You know, like one of my favorite musicians of all time. That is really cool. So it's fun to be able to like an artist you love or an uh, athlete you love to get them to see it. And then they, they appreciate your work too. So it, it, there's a that certain sense of completion that you did something right. Or at least you didn't screw it up. Yes. <laughs> so. Well, thank you both for coming to the library and for doing the movie and your talk and signing. Is there any places where people should go to find out more about what you are involved with? Just your book or your Just websites? Just pretty much my book. I don't, I don't have a website. I don't do Facebook. I don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> There is somebody has a Facebook page. I think John part of it too. Uh, yeah, I contribute when we're doing these events. It's a Chester Markle Alive, Alive and Kicking fan page on Facebook. It's a fan page. None so of, I've never went to it, so I don't. I don't know anything about it. If if they're if we're doing an event together, I'll post to that page, and then anything about his book, I'll post to that page or Dinger will. Um, but um, yeah, and mine would be I am com. It's the website. Facebook would be Facebook uh, slash I am a cheesehead. I don't know how I kept getting those, but I got lucky. Same with Twitter. Uh, I am a cheesehead. Yeah, you'd think that would have been taken. Yeah, a long time ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Fantastically good luck there. Um, and it also, you know, I constantly am po posting up new events. We have about 15 more scheduled for this year in libraries around the Midwest, uh, including our first show in Iowa, Dubuque. We're doing that around the Bears weekend. Uh, opening week um, and uh, time to hunt time to hunt <laughs> and then of course uh, if people want to uh, watch watch it on online they can watch it on Amazon or Vimeo or uh, iTunes it's available on all those digital formats as Excellent. well so. yeah I got a copy from the library and also watched it on Amazon because I saw it was available on there too yeah if you got it on Amazon Prime watch it over and over again they pay me a royalty <laughs> alright <laughs> will do <laughs> thanks Thank you. Hey, Thanks thank you. for tuning into the podcast. We hope you use this information to strike up a local conversation. Check us out at macmillanlibrary.org to see upcoming events, including concerts, speakers, movies, and more. We also have free online classes through Gale Courses, as well as a host of databases for your research needs. If you can't find what you're looking for, stop in at the information desk. The Macmillan Conversation Maker podcast can be found at macmillanlibrary.org backslash podcast. Mm -hmm.